0: Welcome to my podcast, Changing Seas. My name is Dita Elton, and thank you so much for being here. Well, there are just so many things that have happened in my life since I did my last podcast. First of all, I got married to my sweet husband, Blair, this summer, and I changed my name from Dita Messen to Dita Elton. Second of all, I moved from Denmark to America to live and work on a superyacht together with my husband. This is actually something that I've done before back in 2013 to 2015 and now I'm back being a stewardess on a motor yacht. It's actually just so nice to be back on the water again and being together with Blair and no longer being in this long distance relationship and I just love that I get to do so many creative projects in my spare time. Thankfully we live in this digital age and I've been able to continue making podcast episodes and I got to interview my next guest online. We're just so lucky to have the internet, but you will have to excuse the sound quality in this podcast episode as we were having a fair bit of trouble with internet connection. Also, I am super excited that this podcast episode will be my very first one to ever do in English. For those of you who know me, you know that I come from Denmark and that Danish is my first language. But I wouldn't necessarily say that I have the strongest Danish accent when I speak English. There might be a little bit of Australian and American in there, as I've lived in both countries for quite some time. And also my husband is Australian. Anyway, today's episode I got to interview this amazing woman called Lee Townsend. She is from New Zealand, but she lives in Antigua and is an osteopath, a masseuse, and a yoga instructor, and she works on super yachts all over the world. She is an incredible woman and extremely skilled, and we got to talk about what it means to be an osteopath and how she ended up studying osteopathy and how this form of treatment can help people. We got to talk about how to follow your dreams and your intuition and why it's so important to breathe deeply into our stomachs. Lee is a true light in this world and I'm so excited that you get a chance to listen to her today. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. So I thought we could start with um, maybe telling how we met because I think it's quite a unique uh, I don't know, meeting because um, Right now, I am working as a stewardess on a yacht, and um, in December 2020, in the middle of COVID land, (laughs) we both happened to be working on the same yacht in the Caribbean. I was temping, I was a laundry stewardess, and we were going to do this charter uh, for some very, very... uh, Wealthy people, and uh, then you happened to be there too, uh, not as a stewardess, but as a masseuse and a yoga instructor. And um, that's sort of how we got to meet each other. And you were uh, giving massages to the clients or to the guests, and also doing yoga in the mornings. And um, we were, or the whole crew, we were quite. Quite jealous, actually, we wish we could have you just in the crew mess all day long, just giving us massages, but um, yeah, everybody just loved having you on board, and you were so good with everybody and at some point,' um, cause like I guess we we started talking at some point, and uh, we were quite on the same. I felt at least we were quite on the same wavelength and um, had a lot of things in common because we are both quite interested in alternative healing and alternative medicine. And um, at some point I remember asking you if maybe you could give me um, some advice on how to uh, help myself with my back. Cause I had upper back problems. I, I was in the laundry a lot of the time and, and I was also in housekeeping and you were in all these like awkward positions trying to like change the sheets on the bed. And, and I couldn't feel like the upper part of my back. And uh you came down and you were like, okay, let me just like can I just like touch you right here and do you have a second? And then luckily I was going on my break, and then you ended up giving me like an hour-long osteopathic uh session. And I remember you said to me, Oh, I actually think I have to like do something with your stomach. Can you can you come here and like lay down? So like (laughs) I laid down and then you were like pushing me on my stomach and like my organs and and then I basically cried for an hour. <laughs> and I was like after the session, I was like, wow, what just happened? Like, I have no idea what this is, but this is fantastic. And Lee is such an amazing human being. Like, oh my God, like everybody, the whole world should know about this person and also know about osteopathy. Like I feel like it's such a it's such a trade or like such a skill that not a lot of people know about so maybe you could tell me or tell all of us what osteopathy
1: actually is yes and that's quite an introduction and some people will be like oh I don't know if I want to cry this doesn't sound good at all (laughs) (laughs) but um It's quite a. um, That's a great introduction. So thank you. And you know, osteopathy is it's not very well known around the world, and it started in the U.S. Osteo in Latin means bones, and pathy means study. So it's the study of bones. But that name doesn't reflect the broadness and the holisticness of the profession. It doesn't encapsulate the holism with which we look at being human. So osteopathy, it's a very difficult to define profession, but effectively it is a manual medicine or manual therapy, depending on your perspective, that looks at the integration of everything on the outside of the human skeleton, so that your skin, your muscles, your ligaments, your tendons and the bones, but it looks at everything inside as well. So from the nervous system, the arteries, uh, veins glands the lymphatic system uh, and all the organs and the integration of all of those structures together so how does the inside and the outside affect each other how does it affect the structure of the human body and how can they uh, influence each other like simultaneously
0: yeah so because like my experience with it when you did it to me was like it was very gentle whereas like. Uh, I often find that if you go to a um, maybe a chiropractor or like a physical therapist, like it's um, it's it's very different. Um, What, how, how are you able to? I guess I'm trying to ask, like, how are you able to like fix the problem when you are almost not touching like it's uh how do you feel your way through and how do you find out what's wrong with your patient
1: yeah it's a great question and it is so unique to each practitioner um depending on how they interpret the information that we studied and the the principles and the philosophies that underpin what we do um and you know one osteopath is not the same as another so for me, I started as a masseuse, and so I was a deep tissue sports masseuse for many years, um, and, and still am actually. But it it informed me about what muscles felt like, and I knew how to press hard. But when I pressed hard, it didn't mean I could feel more. It just meant that the person felt more in terms of discomfort. And when I went through my osteopath training, it teaches you how to palpate so how to touch with intention. And intention is this idea that we engage the mind to what it is that we are doing and allow our nervous system to bring to us what we're looking for. And that's in every t- part of your life you use intention. But when we look at it with the anatomy, we study intensely the anatomy, what it looks like, and then we go into what is it meant to feel like because each Tissue has a different feel, each injury has a slightly different feel. And so there's a big library that we build up of sensation in our hands, and our hands and our elbows become very uh, sensitive tools to detect uh vital information about where a particular structure or organ is in, in terms of its health and its function. So oftentimes The lighter the pressure, the better, the more information that we can get. And especially if we're thinking, once I put my hands on, you know, I'm only focused about that person and I'm going straight into, okay, I know what's meant to be here, roughly what it's meant to look and feel like. What does it feel like on this person? Oh, okay, it's a bit tight, it's a bit rough, it's a bit, there might be a little bit moist here. I wanna follow that. Where does that take me? And so I'm always, Listen, it's like a form of listening to the body using a visual um, library from books and dissection classes, and then uh, from the library that I've built up under my hands. And so sometimes that light pressure can be so much more informative. And sometimes one hand is listening and the other one is doing. So we have to split our brains into two different parts that one is, you know, constantly listening. And interpreting and the other hand is conveying the technique that needs to be done as a result of what we're feeling so wow. it's a it's a real time-based profession and that you get better and better with your sensation as the more you do it wow it almost
0: like sounds like that you're a clairvoyant but of the body <laughs> like <laughs> That's wow! That's so incredible. It I um I actually heard this story the other day. It was actually my my captain who was telling me that. Um, because I asked some of the crew, oh, oh, what should I do? You have any questions for Lee? Uh, she's an osteopath. Do you have any questions for her? And nobody really knew what to ask because they didn't know what it what it means to be an osteopath. And then, my captain actually told me this story of that he, he knows of someone who, um, who is blind. And, uh, apparently he just decided to become an osteopath because you don't have to use your vision, like your eyes, your eyesight when you are treating people. So I guess that's the same thing you were telling me that it's more your hands and the sensation or the feeling or like the yeah How, however way you are translating that and that's sort of how you treat people heal people if you can say it in that way i think that's so fascinating
1: yeah that's a really great story and there are many blind therapists and actually in india there are schools for blind people to give them a profession because there's no social structure there but they train them as masseuses and they are phenomenal healers because sight is only one of our senses and our skin is our largest organ and in the skin we have so many nerve endings which allow us to detect information not only that comes into contact directly but from the external environment so we're not only the skin but we have our ears we have our smell we have our taste we have touch but we also have this really amazing thing which is invisible and it's like a form of wi-fi that we are emitting from our body and it's our electromagnetic field so this uh, electromagnetic field is something that we're not always aware of but it's giving us information all the time about our external environment and we're interpreting that through different organs in our body so the solar plexus just underneath the rib cage where it divides is a huge sensory area of nerves that's interpreting information so is our heart our throat our third eye you know and so it's not just um the eyes and the hands that are doing the work with me and with any other practitioner it's all of these faculties of what make up being human that allow people in my profession and All of the touch professions to be able to intuit what's going on with someone, Um, which kind of is a bigger discussion around the clearer that we become in our physical body as practitioners, as humans in general, the better we are at filtering the information coming in from the external environment and from our internal environment so that we know what we're meant to do in life, but also for and with others. So a lot of people in our training, you know, the training is, depending on the country, four years or five years, and mine was five years. When you start to work on your own body and get it worked on daily for weeks, you know, for five years, it's like cleaning out your house every single day. (laughs) Like your, your body is a home. It's the only home you have. So people are working on it, cleaning it out every day. And we shifted and we changed in how we thought and how we felt. And there was huge emotional releases and there was like massive purging of the dense energetic material related to our previous life histories of sport and activity or, you know, our emotional bodies, our uh, mental bodies that were stored physically. So as practitioners, when we get worked on, we're constantly being uh, cleaned and cleared so that our, we become more sensory. and our clients are also in that journey, but they're just not doing it every day like we are. They're just at the start of that journey. And sometimes not even aware that they have that self-healing capacity and to, to do the work themselves daily.
0: No, I think actually most people are not aware that we have that ability to do those kind of things because that's not something that they teach us in school. But um, Lee, perhaps you could tell us why you decided to become an osteopath
1: um so it's a great question and i at the time that i decided to go back and study i couldn't have told you that i had ever been to one or that i knew where it came from so i just knew that i needed to know more about the human body and i'd been a masseuse for a couple of years uh working at that stage i was working with uh professional cyclists who were in france and they were on their way up in the cycling world. So, and I just felt completely out of my depth that I I didn't know enough. And I was working with a physio and I just was so amazed by his knowledge. So I thought, okay, it's time to go back to school. And uh, I don't know how I came up with osteopathy, but it just was in my intuition and it came to me. So I started looking and then I was living in Switzerland at the time, was looking to do my studies in Europe but then realized it was going to be financially viable for me only if I went back to New Zealand. So I looked up osteopathy in New Zealand and there was one school which the closing date for the application was two days after I was looking at it. So I had two days to apply basically. So I did and they got back to me within 12 hours and they were just like, so sounds really good. that, you know, your application looks good. We just need to know that you speak English. <laughs> and if you do, we thought we would give you pre-approval so that you could make plans to come home. And so I did. And then it was only in the first couple of months, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember now that I'd been to an osteopath and it must have list- like left quite an impression in my subconscious because I couldn't consciously remember it um, before that. And it would only been once to him.
0: Wow. So you went to school in New Zealand for five years. And what does, what does, because like I know in Denmark, if you want to become an osteopath, I think you have to be a physical therapist beforehand, and then you go and do your studies. Is that the same thing in New Zealand?
1: Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And no, you are required to have some sort of, um, life experience so if you were coming straight from school they wouldn't accept you um, back then anyway because they wanted people who had the ability to relate to people of all different ages and walks of life and it's hard to do that when you have no life experience so Mm -hmm. um, they didn't require you to have another degree in health but uh, they wanted life experience
0: yeah wow and and at that time you were a masseuse Were you also a yoga instructor at that point too?
1: No, I wasn't, but I'd done previously, I'd I'd done a degree in sports science and business management. So I did that for a couple of years and then I was uh, traveling and working overseas and uh, I hadn't even been introduced to yoga at that point.
0: Wow. But like, I'm just so interested to know like how you ended up, working on like super yachts freelancing and doing that whole thing like did you when you like uh, i can hear now that you didn't actually know much about osteopathy and like i'm like when you were a little girl did you like think that ah oh, when i grow up like i'm gonna be a yoga instructor i'm gonna be a masseuse i'm gonna do all about the body and i'm gonna be working on a super yacht uh working with some very wealthy people did you think that you were going to do that or did you sort of just create that whole niche or like that world for yourself or how did you how did you get there
1: again great question and now i had none of that in my head you know i think i wanted to be a nurse when i was younger but i always knew i would do something with the human body i just didn't know what and The big thing that has been constant in my life, which has allowed all of these different experiences, study-wise, life-wise and environment-wise to happen is that from a very young age, I always knew that I'd been here before. I just had a deep sense that I'd been here before and I didn't know it was called intuition back then, but now I know it's called intuition and I always followed that voice. And so doing a job when I was eighteen, a waitressing, which I thoroughly disliked, <laughs> taught me I would never do a job just for money and it didn't light me up because I couldn't get out of bed every morning. So you know, how did I end up in super yards? I just followed my intuition. I followed my thread for wanting to create a life that was meaningful and was um Really extraordinary. Like, I really wanted to create a life that was extraordinary. And they were themes and intentions that I had from a very young age. And it's just always opened doors and has led to a curiosity that has taken me through different schools of study. And I never think to myself, oh, this is the only thing I'm ever going to do. So I just keep exploring and I'm like, I keep going with something until it no longer gives me joy. Or doesn't light me up in the same way and there's always something else on the like on the periphery that's kind of waiting to come in um and so I just follow it so wow
0: it, it's it's uh, I find it so interesting that you say that like you just decided when you're 18 like you were never gonna do a job just for the money like I think and I think you we have had this conversation when we were on the boat together it's like I feel like a lot of people do that including myself like uh, for instance, like now I'm living and working with my husband on a super yacht and that all sounds very great. And and of course, I'm very happy because I'm finally together with my husband, but it's also not like, woohoo, about like being in laundry every day or like <laughs> cleaning the crew mess or like vacuuming or like doing heads and beds and all those kind of things. It's not really what like makes my... I don't know, life extraordinary in that sort of way. Like, it's not very, like, soul-fulfilling. And I'm sure that there are uh, so many people in this world that feel, almost feel that they have to uh, have some kind of job so that they have an income to, like, pay the bills. And how, do you know how how you got to, like, do you have any advice for people like us and, like, people like other people and, like, how to, listen to that intuition and like trust that that it's possible
1: yeah it's um I feel like I'm gonna say this with every question great question (laughs) great (laughs) question (laughs) yeah I mean it I do believe that and I believe what I say I say because of my own experience and it can only really relate to me but maybe it resonates with other people as well which is that we are socialised from a very young age as as children. And what that means is we are taught what is acceptable in terms of our behaviour, what is acceptable in terms of the life that we're going to live, and what is the expectation in order to live that life. So we go to school, we do exams, we're supposed to take certain subjects if we want to do a certain profession, and you're meant to know what you want to do when you're still really young and your frontal lobe hasn't really developed enough to make the distinction between right or wrong in terms of the greater context of your life. And so when my experience of my life and also working with thousands of people from all different walks of life, cultures, ages, is that the greatest time that we wake up and listen to that voice which will overshadow that socialized part of our brain that's so powerful is when we have a trauma. And a trauma can look like anything for any person, but what it's defined as is something that overwhelms our capacity to cope emotionally. And so we leave our bodies for a moment and something else drops in. And often it's when we have that trauma, it completely reshapes our world and So there's nothing wrong with doing a job to get an income. There's nothing wrong with being in a relationship. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with going to school and getting a degree just to get a degree. But what is the saddest thing is if we don't listen to our truest calling, which is always there telling us like this thing lights you up, this thing doesn't. And if you keep following the thing that doesn't light you up because you should, Versus what you really in your heart really want to do, then that's like the saddest for me non fulfillment of our purpose in this life because we're given cues all the time as to where we could go and what things are here to help us find our true purpose, which is listening to that intuition because it's always guiding us. And so it doesn't have to take a trauma, it just happens that because we're so conditioned, we kind of need that, like serious interruption to our daily programming to be able to see things a different way but you can do it with choice and intention every day as well if you really want to so i hope that yeah helps to,
0: <laughs> yeah no that's that. so funny I, i've never really thought of it in that way but you were i, I feel like you're completely right I, I you know we are certainly in these like systems and uh, we follow along, like I can I can definitely relate to that. Uh, I think it's really interesting to like, how do you know if it's your intuition or if it's your ego or if it's like your mom that are talking in the back of your mind? Or like, do you, do you know how to differentiate between those voices that we sometimes hear? Because, you know, I can wake up one morning and I have a great idea and like, yes, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And this is what I'm going to do. But then I get all these other voices so like, do you know how to differentiate between all those voices and which one is our intuition?
1: Mm-hmm. Again, great question. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it is really is a great question. And I think, you know, a lot of my friends have definitely, and I too have had those questions and, um, one of the best explanations I had was that it's like tuning a radio and, you know, your, your old school radios, you would turn the dial and with the little stick would move along the numbers, which would move through the different AM or FM frequencies. And you would sometimes hit a station and you would hear a bit of a voice and, but there'd be static in the background and then you'd keep rolling back or forward and you'd try to get more clarity on the sound that you were hearing to land the little stick on the right frequency for um, the radio station that you were looking for. And it's a bit like that in our existence as humans. And a lot of people will say, well, intuition, that's just like, you're just making that up, you know? And that thinking also relates to people that don't see our humanness as part of a bigger integrated network of energy which makes up our whole universe and so when you can see that you coexist not only with other people but with everything in the natural world everything that makes up the earth there is a different frequency of information that comes through when you're talking about your intuition the ego which is more the uh, material of the subconscious mind and then the voices of the other people which have come from societal conditioning, they all have a different frequency to them. And one of the things that really helped me uh, differentiate, really clearly differentiate and use it as a tool every single day was conscious writing. So I would, uh, first thing in the morning after we've come out of sleep, we are literally in the realm of the subconscious. So we're so connected to uh, the energy part of us when we're in sleep That when we wake up, we still have connection to that before we interrupt that by rolling over, talking to our partner, uh, looking at our phone, getting up and just getting on with the routine. If we can just spend a minute, two minutes, three minutes, taking a pen and writing down on a notebook that you leave beside your bed, whatever those first thoughts are that are in your mind, that is your intuition because you have literally come from the realm of non-interference from the external world and the the deep deep um shadow in the psyche that you're kind of in this space of space of lucidness and it's amazing what comes out and if it's a start it can feel really weird but you just write down everything that's there even if there's nothing there you can provoke it and be like what is what am I thinking about today what questions do I need to ask What, what do I need to uh where could I go with these um, questions? What is it that needs to come out? What does my soul want to say? And then as you get more and more familiar with it, you are connecting into this greater source of energy that's around you that knows more than just the human mind. So you get to tune a little bit your frequency. Um, and I think it's also just about always checking in and just to be like, is that real? Is this thing actually me, You know, or is this someone else? Is this someone else's voice? And some, I do that quite often. Especially if it's on a negative uh, tone, I'll always check in and say, "Is this really me, or is this someone? Is this someone else? Like, whose voice is this?" And it'll be really interesting to see what comes up. <laughs> and, but I mean, for me, I was as a child, I used to dialogue with myself all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> It was probably a bit confusing um, to separate. I probably was always talking to. I don't know fake creatures in my head, or maybe it was my intuition. But just talking to yourself, yeah, it's,
0: it, it's so interesting that you say the thing about like writing in the morning. I um, have you ever heard about this book called The artist Way? Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> so, like, well, for those people who are listening who don't know about this book, one of the things that this woman who wrote this book um is mentioning is the morning pages. And that's basically this book is for you know basically for anyone but it's um, mainly for people who are artistically interested I guess but um it's sort of a way to like unblock yourself. But I think you can obviously use this in any aspect of your life but this woman like suggests that we when we get up in the morning we write three pages of bullshit, like all the stuff that we need to get out, like all the worries, all the anxiety, all the, you know, all the chit-chat, mm-hmm. all the ego. We write all of that on a piece of paper and we don't read it again. And then slowly we can start um, writing down like this conversation with ourselves, I guess. So let's say... Um, So we can write like a sentence. So for instance, uh, I want to do acting. So I could write the sentence, I'm a great actor. And then I just have to be real quiet and listen to what comes up. And perhaps it could be, you know, uh, my mind could maybe say, yeah, whatever. You're not a great actor. You're not even acting right now. You're working on a boat, you know, like a great actor would be acting all the time, you know. And then you just allow all this bullshit to get written on a piece of paper and then you like slowly but surely you start writing yourself into like, um, you're calming yourself down, you're getting the, the bullshit out of your system and like, so that you can actually see what's real and like really get clear of what's actually the truth.
1: Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was the practice for me that was a game changer and it was a mentor of mine who uh, recommended it to me and it was a game changer straight away. It stopped the looping thoughts of my brain going around and around and around and creating all this negative chemistry in my body which was relating to, you know, deep muscular tension that I was holding because it, it, the chemistry related to our emotional state gets stored in our body, as well as the muscular contraction as a result of all of that thinking and the doing. And so this book was profound in getting me out of my head. And what it was, was a brain dump of all of the junk, which is the ego, it's the shadow. And, you know, the ego gets a bad rap, but the ego is part of being human. It's what keeps us safe. It's also what keeps us going in uh, in the world and allows us to really uh know our position, but it's when the ego gets out of control and it thinks that we are so much greater than anything that's ever been, or the shadow side of that in the deep junk in our subconscious, which is the I'm not good enough, you know, you'll never be a good actor, you you know, what do you think you're doing, doing that, like no one's gonna listen to you. That when that overrides your ability to really know what your true purpose is, that's all you're gonna hear. And so that writing Um, process allows all of it to come out into the paper and you have so much more clarity. And I love that concept of a brain dump um, because it just frees up bandwidth in the brain to focus on what's really important. And you can start to get downloads of more information because you start when you see the words written down, you're grounding that energy and it's no longer circulating around your nervous system and you get to see it which is visual feedback back right to your brain and it goes oh that's true that's not true so there is still some work to do when you read it but they suggest in the morning pages don't read it for the first 12 weeks and that is the most powerful tool because by the end of the process you've become to realize that where you started is far from where you finished and the negative junk that is there is so heavy that if you were to read that as soon as you wrote it you wouldn't progress with the project, because you'd be like, "Oh, it's just too heavy and too gross." Um, but it's purging your subconscious to really get you in tune with your intuition, which is this deep soul knowledge of who you are. It's in your DNA. It's in your cells. So, how do you differentiate it? You've got to tune in, and you've got to listen, yeah. and clean out stuff that's not useful. That is
0: so powerful. That is so powerful. Do you, as a as an osteopath, do you see like a link between a person that has like very negative way of thinking and and also relating to their body like like when you were doing the osteopathic session treatment on me that day like I remember experiencing that you were saying oh your your liver wow there's a lot of heat in your liver there's a lot of what's going on down there there's a lot of anger down there and then I just like cried and cried and cried like the, do you you know our minds and like our thoughts like is it also very related to our to our bodies as well and our organs and how do you do you see like a like a like a pattern there
1: you know we talked about this a little bit earlier with the human body being a massive Wi-Fi system so we emit an energy away from us and we also have energy coming in from the external environment and what I mean and That is a scientifically proven feature of being human, which means that we're more than just a mind and we're more than just a body. We're actually this incredible um, system that's energetic because everything is energy. Like every single thing in the universe and the earth and our bodies is energy. So it means it's always moving. And emotions are just energy and motion. So when people present uh, to me they they might come with something really abstract Uh, like for example in your case uh, your upper back being a bit really tight compressed and really numb and that's what you're feeling but it's been built up over time and you don't feel that because the body's very good at adapting to the stress and the load that is being put onto the body in the background but the mind is so concerned with the day-to-day activities that it's just doing its thing that it has to do and we just shut down anything below the head so we're not connected into the body and we're just going about our day but we don't feel all the little things that are building up in the background so when people present with we'll say like a congested back and, and numbness i think to myself okay so what how do they breathe because the way someone breathes gives me a really good indication of how much they live in their body. And the breath is the connection and the bridge between the mind and fully embodying living in a human body. It's also the connection to dissolving emotion that is passing through us. And, you know, because we are energy, if energy doesn't keep moving, it's like water in a river that gets blocked. So if water gets stuck in a river, it builds up algae and it festers and you get all sorts of weird creatures in it. And it's a bit like the human body, you know, we need to keep filtering and moving out the things that we think, the things that we believe, the things that we feel, the things that we see. And if we don't, it just stores up. And then eventually we feel pain and discomfort and tension and we think it just happened overnight. It's like, no, it really didn't. (laughs) And so the way someone breathes tells me a lot about where they live and where they don't live in their body. And so, yeah, emotion is a huge part of what I work with, but I don't necessarily address it with the person depending on who they are. Um, I'll take them through a journey with their breath into their body and focus their breath into a specific area and then they sort of come to some realizations that, oh, this discomfort or this pain is dissolving. Um, How does that work? And what they're doing is consciously coming to an awareness that, huh, they did that. Like I didn't do it, they did it. And so they're aware of something that could be useful for them. So um, the way that I work is very much about connecting the mind back to the body and so that we can live as a whole organism because we're not just a head (laughs) we're not just a body we're we're like this entire organism that needs to be reconnected
0: I think it's so funny when you started saying like you know the numbness and it's about like how somebody's breathing like I was like oh no that's me I'm definitely not breathing enough down my body and like I've actually found myself (laughs) like breathing a bit more than I did before (laughs) oh that's so funny oh man but like perfect um, job done yeah job <laughs> done thank you <laughs> like I was just thinking you know when you when you have a a client that you are giving a massage can you also like can you help yourself like not just also feeling oh, okay we have a little bit going on here and a little bit going on there like can you can you keep those two things apart or do you naturally just like go in and then you kind of also give an, an osteopathic session as well or, or, or can you sort of um,
1: yeah separate them separate that's the word I was Mine. <laughs> yeah I mean it's a my natural inclination is to go uh, you know osteopathic principle find it fix it leave it alone And it's one of the reasons that I choose to do very little massage because I know it's going to feel good, but it doesn't fix the problem. So it depends. I should clarify that. I love giving massage still, but if someone has a really like persistent problem, it's massage is not going to fix it. Conscious attention and conscious breath and conscious awareness of what the root of that issue actually is is what's going to solve that problem as well as the physical therapy and the movement and all that stuff but um so for me my first line of defense is not always massage so I have to hold myself back when I um particularly in the yachting situation I'm not I'm not there to do osteopathy all the time I'm there to do massage so I have to really focus. <laughs> yeah but usually there's an opportunity to talk about it at the end so we can you know hopefully do some work on it
0: yeah because like um, i'm sure it must be it must be a challenge like you if you have somebody in your hands and like you can just feel it oh if i could just press them right again or if they just knew that they have this thing going on then maybe they would feel so much better like <laughs> can you just like sense who you can talk to about that kind of thing? Or do you just like, not, not gonna, not gonna say any, or mention anything at all?
1: It's like, it's surprising. Some people you'd think weren't open are very open. And I just sense whether it fits the environment because maybe it's not the right forum to do it. It's maybe better another time or just not at all. So, um, and also, it's not always my place. it's such a privilege to have people trust and trust their bodies to me, but I am very respectful of like how much information uh we give and uh and share, and it's always got to be within the parameters of uh you know where that person feels comfortable and sometimes I don't know that, and I have to just test it out and see mm-hmm.
0: is it is it for everyone like osteopathy is it Uh, or what what kind of um, symptoms or problems do people have that they go to an osteopath
1: is it for everybody sure why not (laughs) it's like it's more personal preference I think and also like any profession it's finding a practitioner that resonates with you and I mean even as an osteopath I don't just go to osteopaths I go to acupuncturists masseuses um, kinesiologists naturopaths so We all need a spectrum of practitioners, but in terms of if you've got something that you're not sure of and who, what, who you would go to, I would definitely go to an osteopath. So, you know, as a general theme of people like, well, should I go? Should I not? If you're unsure, then go and see an osteopath because our skills are really broad and we can do a lot with a lot of conditions. We're trained in conventional medical sciences. So we would look at things like a doctor would, and triage, and then we go into the more manual therapy side and try to apply if it's appropriate, our techniques to the person. So we treat everything from post-surgical uh, conditions to pre-surgical to babies straight out of the womb and even in pregnancy, like a lot of women who are pregnant will come and get osteopathic treatment for their body, but also for the placement of the child as well, which is an interesting field. Um, symptoms, which seem unrelated, can be very interesting. So um, there's a lot of gut issues that are happening and have been happening for a long time with many people. And visceral manipulation is a part of osteopathy. So it's an incredible field that looks at each organ and each organs and intimate connections with the arteries and the nerves and the um, tissues that make up the whole digestive system. So, I mean, we are able to treat many, many different things. And I would say to people be curious and go and see an osteopath if you're not sure.
0: One of the things that I that, that really like, I got quite surprised about um, when I experienced the session with you was that even though like you hardly, like of course you touched me, but it wasn't like hard in any sort of way. It was very sort of mild uh, and gentle. I could still, like you were touching my, my stomach, but like I could still feel that like five days later. Like, there was still something that was like, yeah, I can, I can feel that like Lee, Lee has been doing some stuff there.
1: I mean, is that normal? <laughs> yeah, it can be. And thanks for reflecting that because it's something that is a bit of a shame when I don't get to have a follow-up with someone is to know their personal experience with it. Um, the, French osteopath, Jean-Pierre Borel, who is the creator, basically, of visceral manipulation and who I've studied um, a lot of his material, he has an expression which is that every time we work on the body, we're waking a little something up in the nervous system. And, you know, the idea is that there was a before and then there was an after. Once you know, you can't unknow. So as the body like you take your body to someone who is intentionally going to find the biggest issue. Their job is to find the biggest issue for you, unravel a bit of it so that your innate healing systems can do the work. It would depend on how your system is integrating that energy of the person as well as all the changes that are starting to be woken up as sorry, changes that are happening as a result of something being woken up uh, in the nervous system and what's being released. So some people, you know, may not feel anything directly. They might feel it a day later, two days later, some people feel worse the next day. And then some people can feel great the next day. They might not feel anything as they get off the table, but then the next day they feel great. So every person has a different response. And again, it's going to depend on what kind of practitioner they've gone to see as well. So um yeah i love that it It was still there five days later and this is a big uh, point around when you go and seek treatment don't make it just something else that you do make it a commitment that you're going to give yourself time to really benefit from going and investing in the treatment so that like i said there's a before and then there's an after and if you really want to um embody like true health and vitality and make the most of your investment spend the time after the treatments uh being kind to yourself for the next few days because it takes you know sort of 72 hours or more for those changes to solidify wow when
0: you I, I know that you do osteopathy to other people but are you are you able to do that to yourself Cause like mm-hmm. i know with yoga we can do yoga ourselves you know but like is it even possible to do
1: osteopathy to yourself it's some things are really difficult um obviously the back yeah <laughs> Being on the back, very challenging um i can do a lot of things you know like i do a lot of articulation on my hands to keep my hands really open and free and on my arms I do a lot of uh, work through my feet and legs on myself and also the gut. I do a lot of gut um, manipulation and <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I do a lot of intraoral work and through my face. So I work through my eyes and the bones of my face and through the upper um, palate and through the mouth. So I do a lot of that on myself. And um, a lot of the time, actually, I'm doing self-research. I'm like, what does that feel like? like
0: <laughs> oh, Wow. But but like what what does it do when you touch your your face or like your mouth or like what how
1: does that help yourself? So the brain uh, sits in this upper vault of the head, and then it has a lot of different nerves that come out. So we have twelve cranial nerves, and those twelve nerves give sensation and motor function to the face. And not just what you see on the outside, but the inside as well. And we, by manipulating the bones and also getting in touch with the, uh, like the eyeball, for example, we can influence those nerves. And one of the things I find really interesting is craniosacral, as well as um, going indirectly into the oral cavity and working with the nerve endings, which. Are different fields of study within osteopathy and noticing how it can relieve headaches, uh, any pain related to dental pain, inflammation in the gums that can affect uh, headaches in the head um, yeah neck problems can also be treated by the eye, shoulder problems can be treated with by the eye just because of the way the nerves travel between the eyeball and the back of the head and the the communicate with the upper brainstem, uh, sorry, the upper nerves of the neck. So there's a lot of fun things that can be worked on um, by working through the face. That's so interesting
0: that you're, like, telling about the face because a few years ago I I studied um, tapping, emotional freedom technique. Mm. Yeah. And Mm – yeah. what they do a lot is that we like tap like very gently certain parts of the face and our hands as well and like on our upper body as well and i guess it's like mm-hmm. it's very related like with with tapping you have to like think of an emotional trauma i guess or that sort of frozen moment of the emotional trauma and then you like tap in those certain points is that the same thing or is that something different do you think
1: It's similar in that you're sending information down through nerve pathways, but what's interesting about EFT is there's a big correlation with the meridians and Mm -hmm. meridian points in traditional Chinese medicine. So, you know, like the ones in the cheekbone uh, are connected to uh, the stomach meridian. And like, I use those a lot personally if I get headaches or if I have um, tension behind the eyes or, You know just muck around with them and see what else can (laughs) affect but there is the principle is the same is that we are putting an input into the nervous system and asking it to reconfigure the information that is coming from that nerve from the outside to the inside and then from the inside back to the outside so uh it's it's a different way of doing it but In some ways, the mechanism is the same.
0: Do you have like a um, piece of advice for just like that one thing that you can do as an osteopath uh, to
1: help yourself? The biggest piece of advice I would give people is to start to breathe deeply into the belly, like, learn how to connect your breath to your belly and take long, slow breaths in. So we drop from the upper lung and the upper chest into using the whole length of the lung from underneath the collarbone down to just under the breast line and fill that whole sac, so that the belly fills, the diaphragm drops down. It massages the gut. It helps with the transfer of fluids and gases. It takes tension away from the throat, the neck, the shoulders. It opens up the thinking part of our brain. It changes our entire functioning from living in the sympathetic nervous system which is fight or flight survival mode and into a parasympathetic rest and digest and healing um, nervous system so that would be my biggest tip and takeaway to do wow
0: and I feel like it, it it should be such an easy thing to just like breathe deeply and but I i don't know why it's still it's still so hard like one of the things that i find is like if you if i go outside and go for a walk in nature i think like naturally i breathe more but uh is there like a certain position or like a certain sort of yoga pose or something that that would be good for like um training that um that breathing uh exercise or or, or should we just get better at it while we go about our everyday life.
1: Yeah, it is challenging for a lot of people, and especially the older that we are and the more congested we are in the diaphragm. Um, One of the tools I found really helpful for people is to put their hands, like their either fingers or thumb into the space underneath the sternum, the chest bone, we're at the point where the rib cage separates. So on the front of the chest, bring your fingers or a thumb there, and just press the fingers into the tissue. And then breathe in. Take a full deep breath into the full lung. So from under the collarbone all the way to the underneath the breast bone, underneath the breast line is where the lung is. So imagine filling that lung fully with air. And it's front to back of the ribcage as well, is where the lung sits. So fill the entire ribcage. And then just feel that pressure underneath that part of your abdomen, where your finger is. And then as you exhale, just let it that part of your abdomen relax. Breathe in. Keep the pressure in on, with the thumb as that part of your belly expands out again and pushes against your thumb. But keep the pressure of your thumb against it. And then exhale, release. Then just do that a few times. So keep breathing deeply and see if you can't feel any pushing out against your finger, don't worry. It's like a new skill. So just start to practice with it. And imagine even sticking your belly button out in front of you and exaggerate it for those first you know five ten breaths until you naturally start to let the diaphragm drop down and open into the um abdomen because there's a lot of tension often stored in that space where the ribs separate and um, there's a big nerve plexus there it's connected to the solar plexus which is our mental body it's how we see ourselves it there's a lot of Esoteric concepts, which are very physical actually and palpable (laughs) uh, in our life, that are stored in that area. So, for a lot of people, uh, it is very hard to connect into that breath uh, in that area because they're so congested. So, by putting an input into that area with your hand, can just drop the mind into it and go, Okay, I need to open here. Let's just keep breathing deep and keep trying to open into my diaphragm, open into my belly, and then see what happens wow it's so funny because like the the
0: breath thing has certainly been like a huge like I I I'm realizing that that's certainly one of the things that I'm not very good at (laughs) like I I I used to have so many stomach issues and up until I was 21 and I remember going to a um a music lesson where my first singing lesson solo singing lesson at this acting school that I went to and i was 18 nine, 19 years old and the first two weeks my 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 vocal teacher like my my music teacher he didn't want me to sing he just wanted me to breathe <laughs> and like be able to like relax my stomach cuz like i'd never i guess i'd just never learned how to do that i guess if you like Is that, is that like a typical thing that if you constantly have stomach issues, you probably like, you're so tense in your stomach. Is that like a break? Is that like a normal thing that people with stomach issues that we find it difficult to breathe properly? Or is it many other reasons why
1: we, we find it difficult? It's a very big topic. Yes. And it's an interesting one in your case as well. And it's good that you did start singing because (laughs) you need the full capacity of your lungs to you know be able to utilize your whole range um, and you need a diaphragm for that because it's all pressure systems and when i mean the majority of people that i have experienced in my practice um have breathing issues because a we don't focus on it we do it as kids when we're babies watch a baby breathe and when they are um healthy and thriving they will breathe into their bellies and then things happen. Our nervous system goes into a little bit of shock and we shorten the breath and we stay like that. So think of a car accident or like a, maybe you've had a moment where you stepped off something and it was a quick sudden jolt and you're like, oh gosh, you know, the first thing to go is our breath. And then we don't tend to reintegrate that experience into our body by dropping the breath back down. We hold on to it and also, culturally, we're inspired to have flat stomachs. So we don't push our belly out and breathe in our belly, we hold it in. And then another layer of information is the solar plexus, and this is the chakra name for it, but the celiac plexus is the name of that nerve center underneath uh, the space where the ribs separate. And that's part of the gut brain. It's one of three main brains in the body. And it's like a compass. It's always interpreting information from the internal environment, what's happening in the abdomen, physiologically, as well as what's happening externally. So it's a very important information part of our body. And if we're under stress and we feel vulnerable and we feel threatened, that area kicks off. That's where we feel butterflies. That's where we feel tension. You know, you get a phone call that you're just like, I don't want to take this. It's stressful. Where do you feel it? You feel it in your gut, you know. And the breath goes up. We look, breathe into the very top part of the lung and take just enough, because that's the survival sympathetic nervous system response to stress. It wants to shorten everything up because it feels threatened. It needs to run away from the danger. So, <laughs> it is not a simple or short answer as to why we don't breathe properly. It's really multi layered but we need to re-educate ourselves that a way to dissolve the things that are happening around us is by dropping it into our breath and taking the mind deep into the body and utilizing our breath to dissolve the feeling and the sensation in the physical body. Cause that's just information that something needs to move through us. And if we don't move it, we store it and it eventually manifests as some form of tension Uh, Physical injury, disease, or a complicated mix of symptoms.
0: I also know that you are doing this other thing, which is called, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, energy code coaching. Can you talk a bit about that? I have no idea what that is.
1: (laughs) Um, Yes, well, thanks for mentioning that. It is a new body of work uh, to me that I'm studying, but I've been practicing it for about a year in my own life which is often how things happen for me. I try things out and then I think, oh, this is really interesting. I could use this. And so I then go and study it. So uh, the Energy Codes is a set of principles and practices from Dr. Sue Morta. And the idea is very similar to everything that has come out of my osteopath training, the things I've learned through yoga, through my own spiritual journey, which is that we are – a huge energy being everything is energy and when we can reconnect the mind and the body together and build circuitry so communication lines for the mind to find its way back to the body we start to live as a whole organism and when we do that we're really living in a state of true homeostasis and balance and we're able to see the integration of life as being this massive web that's always working out in our favor and that we're all here to evolve and to learn and to grow but if we can't move past the things that have happened to us we can't see the integration so the energy codes is about utilizing intentional breath work to explore where we are not living in our physical body and reconnecting it all back together and so when we do this And we start to realize that, oh, um, I'm holding on to these like deep areas of density and concentration. And that's actually where I have all my physical issues. And you don't need to know the story behind it. With the energy codes, we work with the energy underneath and we dissolve it through uh, dedicated breath practices and which are very simple and easy to use straight away. Then you can let go of those areas that are holding you tight. They're like anchors, basically these, um, issues that happen in our life that we hold on to. They're like an anchor to our physical body. So we don't, we can't move around it and live in that space anymore. So the energy codes help us to drop back in dissolve and kind of live in the purest essence of what we actually are, which is just energy because at the level of the cells, under, at the subatomic level all the res is infinite space and light and so we're just enhancing that space and light uh through these practices wow you just
0: i mean i just when i look at you i just see this like light and you're so good at so many different things lee i'm just so we're just so lucky to have you seriously it, we're so lucky that we have people in the world that are uh, so good at so passionate about the body and like the health of, of other people. And, uh, yeah. So I I just want to say, thank you so much. I, I just know you have, I'm sure you have helped so many, so many people with, um, I know you, uh, we have talked about you, you, um, practice or like you, uh, you do massages and yoga and those kind of things on yachts, but where do you do your osteopathic uh, treatments or where do you do the energy code uh, coachings as well? Like, uh, is there anywhere where you are based or how can people get to
1: experience you? Like I have. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, thank you for the compliment. That's very, um, it's very nice, but there are, you know, each of us has a gift and I think it's, going back to that comment about intuition when you listen to that you know what your calling is and you can drop in and follow it then we're all serving humanity in the right way you know so thanks for um, recognizing that in yourself too by doing these podcasts it's super great to you know just share this information and to be able to connect with like-minded people and you know so I would say the same to you that we're very fortunate to be able to connect and and share in this way. Yeah, so for me, I work, I'm moving and transitioning more into the online realm with COVID. It seems the most appropriate time and way. And the nice thing is with the integration of the different things I do, they're not um, exclusive uh, and they can be done independently. But they're all working in the same goal, which is to work holistically with the human body. So I am doing online sessions for the coaching, which are often run over six weeks, and they're about an hour each. Uh, That can be found on my website, which is actually just getting redeveloped at the moment, but it's boutiquebodywork.com. And uh, otherwise, people can email me uh, about sessions for that. And then at the moment, I'm based in Antigua. So if you're here, uh, we can organize one-to-one sessions. And yeah, I'm heading back to New Zealand at some point soon. So I tend to have a global practice. So wherever I am is wherever I treat. So my website becomes my virtual home and that's why I'm upgrading it to <laughs> cope with this new change of life where I'm not based in one place.
0: Yeah, well, people are very lucky wherever you are and wherever you're treating. Um people are very lucky to have you. Thank you. If there was gonna be like One thing that you wish that everyone in the world would know about your profession, and I know you have many professions because you do a lot of things, (laughs) but what would that be, do you think?
1: That it's a really broad, holistic profession that doesn't just treat one thing and it looks at the entirety of being human. So if you're not getting the results that you would expect from conventional medicine or from the things that you're doing you know maybe go and see an osteopath and see if that might have some answers for you amazing
0: thank you so much lee i feel like this has been such a an amazing conversation with you you're just such (laughs) a gem and such a light to the world and i just want to say thank you so much Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's been really fun. And it's uh, hopefully not the last time we speak. It's been really cool.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of my podcast, Changing Seas. If you'd like to get in contact with Lee, you can find her contact details under resources on my website at www.ditaelton.com. And that's spelled D-I-T-T-E-E-L-T-O-N. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you will have the most wonderful day.